the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. And you've probably already heard about Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, winning some really choice committee assignments. Uh, she just got reelected as a member of Congress. Uh, she was on the same side with Kevin McCarthy. In fact, they apparently have been working very, very closely. And yet, Marjorie Taylor Greene has told confidants, according to an NBC News report, that uh, she may be looking for a brand new job. It's a very big job. What is it? Uh, we will get to that uh, this hour on the Michael Medved Show. Also, uh, a um, newspaper overseas asks the question, is Seattle finished? Really? Finished? And uh, there are people in Seattle, according to another report, business owners, hardworking, regular, patriotic people who are trying to make a living, who are just about ready to give up on this great city. Uh, even though the $2 billion new convention center is about to open, I think it opens officially tomorrow. And uh, it's gigantic. It absolutely uh, doubles the space for conventions that can be held here. But do conventions, given the rising crime and the graffiti and the trash and the garbage and the homeless encampments, do people really want to come to Seattle for conventions? We will get to that as well. And then there is more on uh, what the New York Times headlines as tragedy upon tragedy. 24 days into the year, 69 deaths in mass shootings. Why? Why has that increased to the level that it has? And what, if anything, can we do about it? Contradictory responses, uh, we will get to them. Uh, first, uh, there was another shooting, as uh, we discussed a little bit earlier, another uh, shooting in Yakima, which is uh, in central Washington. It's the other side of the Cascade Mountains. And uh, uh, by the way, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous for people who don't live here. Uh, one of the things you should put on your bucket list to do is to go over the Stevens Pass Highway in uh, Washington State or over the Snoqualmie Pass Highway in Washington State, crossing the Cascades on the road and looking out at those magnificent mountains. It's something that's very worth doing. And then you get to Yakima, which is a uh, flourishing city. It's a center of agriculture and apple orchards and much more. And yet it's been a center of violence in the last 24 hours, 48 hours. Here is an ABC News report on the shootings uh, with a total of four dead, three victims and the shooter that uh, just occurred. Listen, clip 10. The suspected gunman who allegedly killed three people in a random shooting at a gas station has died. The suspect uh, apparently shot and killed himself. Police in Yakima releasing these surveillance images of the alleged shooter, 21-year-old Jared Haddock, and his shoes as they urged residents to stay alert. I've got one male gunshot wound, not responsive. 
Police say Haddock initially tried to enter another convenience store, but it was locked. Haddock then walking to this Circle K across the street around 3.30 a.m., fatally shooting two customers inside the store and then a man sitting in his car at the gas pumps. There was no interaction between him and the people. It looks very much random. Authorities say Haddock then returned to the first store and drove off in a gray or silver sedan. Police say a woman who lent the suspect her cell phone and overheard him confessing to the shootings to his mother alerted police to his location. Authorities say they found a large amount of ammunition on that suspect. Okay, uh, that suspect, it also turns out, according to his mother, who uh, obviously is grieving, her 21-year-old son just killed himself after killing three other people at random. Uh, his mother said she he was a meth user for the last three years and that his meth use had been getting heavier and heavier and he had been acting increasingly crazy. Uh, there's no evidence that either his mother or anyone else uh, called authorities at all. This is why red flag laws are important and actually gave a red flag indication that this 21-year-old uh, meth user who already had a criminal record for car theft uh, was uh, a danger who should not have access to the guns that he uh, displayed and, and used that uh, had considerable firepower. And yes, there were several of them. Uh, there is a uh, African reporter, and you'll pardon me, I don't know what nation in Africa he represents, but he was at the White House press briefing yesterday. And he actually repeated an assumption about the United States that unfortunately too many Americans believe. And it's an assumption that's deeply wrong and uh, actually distorts, I think, our view of the problem we face. Uh, clip 13. We have spoke, uh, like, between me and some friends that uh, in this country, and this, I'm, I'm making this point because, because we need to remind people that America is the only country on earth that people die by gun without even being on, in war, because I'm giving this example because in Africa there is countries in, of, in war, but people doesn't even have access to gun. It's very hard because the government and everybody is very conscious that the guns can cause a lot of destruction. But in this country it's very normal for everybody to have access to gun and this needs to be controlled. Okay, uh, thank you for your opinion. Uh, so we can be more like Africa? Uh, so that we can be more like Central America. The gun deaths in Central America, the leading uh, countries for gun deaths and for murders, and no, it's not wars, it's, it's violence, it's criminal violence. Uh, El Salvador is the worst right now. I think Honduras is second, Guatemala's right up there. And uh, it is tragic that these other countries have this high crime rate. And in the United States, we are not the worst in the world. What we do have is a unique problem with these mass shootings. And part of the problem is that they get so much attention and become an obsession. 
The New York Times on the very front page, they have a picture of a uh, an adorable little boy and a very nice-looking mommy holding candles together. They're at a memorial candlelight vigil in Monterey Park, California, for some of the 11 innocent people who were killed at that Lunar New Year celebration. Right below that, they have 24 days in two years, 69 deaths in mass shootings. Tragedy upon tragedy, fear that the nation is becoming numb. But later in the same column, they indicate that maybe what we need to do is to become numb and less obsessed. The uh, article begins, there was the mass shooting near a youth center in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and the one at a Subway restaurant in Durham, North Carolina. Another took place behind a beer hall in Oklahoma City, and another at a strip club outside Columbus, Ohio. Two mass shootings ended parties in different Florida cities. And that was just on one day, New Year's Day. By the start of the fourth week in January, the tally had grown to include at least 39 separate shootings in which four or more people were injured or killed, uh, outlining a striking explosion of violence across a range of sites in nearly every corner of the nation that killed at least 69 people. So how do you confront the problem? 1-800-955-1776. We'll be right back. Now's the time to join the millions of Americans who have changed the quality of their... And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, talking about the plague of gun violence and the month of January, this month, where there have been 69 deaths in mass shootings and uh, more than one mass mass shooting for every day this month. Uh, this is uh, an extraordinary level and an intensification. And part of what the New York Times suggests, and I think they're probably right about this, is that uh, it's the very frequency of the mass shootings and the intense coverage, the riveting coverage that people get when you hear one of these horrible, horrible incidents. Uvalde, that uh, obsessed people for weeks. And, and again, people were very focused on the unbelievable incompetence. And that's what it was. It wasn't part of a conspiracy. It was just native incompetence and, and uh, essential incompetence on the part of the police who were there to protect the students. But each one of these cases is similar in some ways. They, uh, they all seem to involve people who meet the description that they're now offering of Tran, who was the killer in Monterey Park. Uh, they're just saying on cable news networks that he was an angry loner who thought the world was against him. And yes, that does appear to be a typical personality for committing these hideous crimes. 96% of them, according to the Daily Mail, are committed by men. And the New York Times writes, the frequency of mass shootings 
and the variety of places in which they now take place at offices and schools, nail salons and houses of worship, grocery stores and restaurants contribute to the sense prevalent across America that such violence could break out at any moment, anywhere. It fuels calls for gun control just as certainly as it fuels the purchase of more and more and more guns, which is exactly the point. In other words, the more that this is covered, the more that people feel they need to take steps for their own defense because it shows that in many of these cases, the uh, victims are defenseless. The idea that you would be able, if even if you have a concealed carry permit, to defend yourself? Who knows? But... Uh, what it what it says in the Times is public shooting sprees rivet the nation, but they can also have the effect of normalizing the violence. Criminologists say that the prevalence of mass shootings is brought about in part by the easy access to so many weapons, a unique feature of the United States, as well as, listen, by a copycat effect. They uh, speak to a criminologist named Adam Langford, who's at the University of Alabama. Uh, would someone like this have committed a mass shooting at a dance hall in the past? He uh, was referring to the older man, believed to have been the gunman in Monterey Park. Maybe not. You can kind of think of it as a snowball effect. The more incidents there are, the more prominent this uh, option will be in angry people's minds. The uh, number of mass shootings has been rising, though not steadily, since 2014. Nine years. That, according to data compiled by the Gun Violence Archive, which tracks uh, public reports of shootings, there were 690 shootings with four or more victims in 2021. That's more than double the total back in 2014. The number fell slightly last year from uh, 690 to 647, but remained significantly higher than in previous years. And the number of such shootings appears to be rising in the first few weeks of this year as compared with similar periods in recent years. There has been, on average, Fewer than one mass shooting per day from January 1st to January 23rd in each of the last five years, according to the data. But uh, the last two years have seen uh, trends going up to 28 last year from 26 in 2021 and uh, 16 in 2018. A 2015 study linked the nation's high rate of mass shootings to its high rate of gun ownership. But you see the two phenomena feed each other. The more mass shootings, the more gun ownership. Americans make up about 5% of the global population. We own 42% uh, of the uh, world's guns in private hands, the study said. It is difficult to calculate the precise number of guns sold every year in the United States because of varying state laws 
and purchase scenarios. But FBI data on the number of firearm background checks can serve as a measure. By that count, the totals have swelled to 40 million background checks a year from uh, 10 million back in 2005. But subsequent work suggests that the governing factor may be easy access to guns, not just the ownership of them, said uh, Mr. Langford, the University of Alabama criminologist who wrote the uh, 2015 study. And nearly 40% of American men tell researchers that they own a gun. So gun ownership alone is not a useful predictor of who is likely to commit a mass shooting, Mr. Langford said. In a study of the 14 deadliest mass shootings since Columbine, which we all remember, uh, the, he and a co-author showed that half of the perpetrators had not acquired their first firearm until the final year before their attack. Now, that's a stunning number when you think about it. Because what it indicates is that, in many ways, this shooter in Monterey Park was atypical. Not only was he an older guy, he apparently had had guns for a long time. What we are saying is that among mass shooters, they are, half of them, people who had never owned a gun within, uh, before, a year before they actually used that gun or those guns, plural, and it's often plural, uh, to do one of these senseless acts of violence. And, uh, by the way, the, the sense of the mass shootings is only the, the most horrifying aspect of, of a general sense of uh, America breaking down and uh, feeling sick, sick, sick because of the increased levels of crime of, of many kinds, including shoplifting and property crimes and more. That leads the question from the Daily Mail in Britain, is Seattle finished? They call about our, call our downtown crime-ridden and uh, woke. favorite and the uh, Daily Mail is not my favorite they sometimes have very lengthy articles uh, that other places don't and they have a featured article that uh, just appeared a couple of days ago uh, under the headline and they love long headlines in the Daily Mail the headline is is Seattle finished Crime-ridden, woke city's dying downtown loses flagship Nike store and multiplex cinema. As number of homeless people killed in a year rockets by 122 to an all-time record of 310. By the way, they weren't killed by rockets. Uh, they were killed mostly by fentanyl. And, uh, and also homicides with one another. What's really remarkable is, whatever you say about homeless people, they're not a significant segment of uh, the city's population. The city's population is approaching 800,000. 
And uh, homeless people, I think, according to most estimates, are about 6,000. So it's a lot, and it feels like a lot. But what's remarkable is if you have 310 uh, people dying, and I believe they said that 18 of them had been killed in homicides, that's a significant percentage of the city's total number of murders. The total number of murders was under 40. And it's up. It's higher than it was. But, uh, again, the way that they state this in the Daily Mail, they put in the Nike store, which has been operating in downtown Seattle for 26 years, ever since we got here, on 6th Avenue and Pike Street, shut down last Friday. Uh, Customers fear it is part of a new wave of exits as crime and homelessness run rampant in the city with vagrant deaths up to a record 310, including 18 killings. Well, see, (laughs) again, not that it's okay when homeless people kill one another uh, and have 18 killings, but doesn't it say something about the need to concentrate on that problem and on that population, which is so heavily influenced by drug addiction and mental illness? The city has vowed to crack down on homelessness, they report in the Daily Mail, and crime after firefighters were attacked on 40 different occasions at encampments, sometimes coming to put out fires that uh, had been deliberately set for one reason or another. Uh, This is a report from Como News about uh, business owners who were just angry with what's going on in the city holding a barbershop town hall. Listen. When it comes to crime in Seattle, I just don't want to be silent anymore. So that's why Matt Humphrey, owner of Steel Barber and Spa in Ballard, gathered business owners from around the city into his barber shop, and they shared the issues affecting them. We've been broken into four times in the last couple of years, and you know when we're making our insurance claims, um, it's it's really hard because again we're, we're at the point where they could drop us. That's a painful conversation to bring up. And we want to stay here for a long time, but it has to make sense for us, for our business, for us, for our... Their stories told right to Seattle Citywide Council member and business owner, Sarah Nelson. And you heard all of these stories here. There's a lot of pain, a lot of emotion behind what is going on. I hear exactly what you're saying, and this is what keeps me up at night as the chair of economic development. Okay, uh, the the fact is what is necessary is a rapid redeployment and recruitment and a, a focus of a huge surge of money to get more patrol officers on the streets. It's, it's crucial. And uh, do, do we have um, uh, clip B? The business owners bringing up some of what they'd like to see city council do. Having more uh, patrol officers on foot would be great. Um, You know, I mean, we've talked about and there has been some movement on uh, improving or or reimbursing for graffiti and vandalism and break-ins. With someone outside clearly experiencing distress, um, I want to know 
I want to know what we do in those situations, a real-time solution. I think that yes, it's important to be looking at an alternative model, but if we can't even respond to emergencies right now, um, that's a problem. We can't afford not to try everything. We cannot afford to lose any more businesses. And so now it comes down to what policies council can actually agree upon and pass together in 2023. Okay, and uh, by the way, this is one of the the fascinating things is that things have been so frustrating in in Seattle. Where the the best thing you can say about the way things have been going is that well, it's not Portland. I mean, <laughs> Portland has its own problems that are in many ways very similar, more intense. Uh, but right now, there's a little bit of hope because so many of the members of the city council are not running for re-election. They're basically giving up and not wanting to be associated with the disaster. And what this suggests is that in the elections that are coming up this year, this is not waiting till 2024, uh, there can be a new city council before there is a new Congress, and particularly because the majority of the seats that are up in the city council are not going to be filled by an incumbent. You have a lot of open seats. And I think there are a lot of people who do care about this city very deeply, who understand the necessity for a change in direction regarding the issues of crime and homelessness and, and property destruction. And the graffiti, by the way, it's it's impossible not to notice when you go downtown that there have been some attempts. Thank you, Mayor Harrell. It's been very late, very tardy, but to paint over some of the extraordinary saturation of graffiti. And all of this calls on some some inspired and focused leadership. And speaking of inspired and focused leadership, we, we had spoken earlier today about this shock poll from Economist YouGov that showed that Republicans are picking up in favorability, including Kevin McCarthy and Donald Trump and the party in general. Uh, the uh, rise in Trump's popularity is even larger, they say, among Americans overall, his net favorability is 45% approve, 48% disapprove. Okay, that's like Biden. It's not good. But it's up from minus 22% at the start of December. Around that point, Republicans' ratings of Trump fell to a new low since the start of his presidency in 2017, but have since bounced back to where they were prior to the 2022 elections. Uh, why is this? First of all, I think it's because the struggle about the speakership is behind us. And because McCarthy won, and it looks like he's unifying the House, he is also doing something that is popular among many Republicans, as he is just going after Democrats, as he is with Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff, uh, trying to keep them both off the Intelligence Committee in uh, partisan scraps. And uh, that's part of what a, a lot of Republicans love to see. But the other aspect of this is Trump hanging back after he gave that very poorly received announcement of candidacy. 
he hasn't done anything. There have been no big rallies. He apparently is going out for some medium-sized rallies or public events coming up early next month. And we will see where that goes. Will those events include this talk of a new job for Marjorie Taylor Greene? What could that job be? We'll talk about it coming up on The Medved Show. Here's a very special invitation. It's uh, about an event you want to know about that's uh, beginning on February 15th. Uh, the invitation, come to the Our Crowd Global Investor Summit in Jerusalem on February World of Angels and Unicorns. Uh, Israel's innovation nation is the birthplace of thousands of young high-tech startups created by brilliant entrepreneurs. Every startup hopes to become a unicorn, a private company valued at more than a billion dollars. But young businesses cannot thrive without resources. Angel investors provide the finance that fuels those innovative enterprises Angels take risks to help the entrepreneurs of the future deliver tomorrow's technology today. Uh, they're going to have people representing 70 different nations at this Our Crowd Global Investor Summit. It's an amazing event uh, presided over by my brother, Jonathan Medved, and uh, you should find out about it. And if you can't make it to Jerusalem, I mean... You can participate uh, virtually and uh, by keeping track of everything that is discussed and revealed and proposed. And you can do that without cost if uh, you just click on the banner for Our Crowd and their Global Investors Summit. It's Our Crowd at MichaelMedved.com. Just go to our website, look for the banner for Our Crowd and uh, you will uh, be thrilled at uh, some of the new opportunities you can see for you and for the economy in general. It's uh, fascinating stuff and exciting stuff. Speaking of exciting stuff, uh, there is this afternoon uh, one of the regular marriage webinars that is presided over or starring uh, my my wife, Dr. Diane Medved. And uh, this is very simple. It is also completely free, no obligation, and fascinating discussion about some of the biggest issues facing uh, parents in raising kids the way they want and the way they should be raised, and, and also in keeping marriages healthy and together. Uh, check it out. Go to uh, barryshore.com and forward slash marriage. And it is a webinar discussion with questions literally from thousands of people around the world. Uh, go check that out. It starts right after this show uh, at 3 o'clock this afternoon. So you just go to your computer and go to uh, Barry Shore, spelled Barry the normal way, and Shore, S-H-O-R-E, and then forward slash marriage, and you'll get it. Okay, 
speaking of excitement, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican Georgia, reports Jonathan Allen on uh, NBC News, is angling to become Donald Trump's running mate in 2024. According to people who have spoken to the firebrand second term congressman about her ambitions. Uh, this is no shrinking violet. She's ambitious. She's not shy about that, nor should she be, said Steve Bannon, the former top Trump aide who hosts the War Room podcast, where Green has been a frequent guest. She sees herself on the short list for Trump's VP. When MTG looks in the mirror, she sees a potential president smiling back. That's a chilling thought. Uh, she sees herself on the short list for Trump's VP. A second source who has advised Green said her whole vision is to be vice president. The source who has ties to Trump but spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe private conversations said he also believes Green would be on Trump's short list. It explains in part why she threw herself into helping elect Representative Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, after the midterm elections, and then took assignments on two committees, Homeland Security and Oversight and Accountability, where she can participate in high-profile investigations of President Joe Biden's administration. McCarthy also tapped her to be part of the panel investigating how the government handled the COVID-19 pandemic. Given the fact that she has put forward outrageous conspiracy theories about the vaccines being meant to kill people and alternate remedies for COVID, the idea that she's being placed on that committee and uh, given the fact that she's on Homeland Security when she has endorsed the idea of the 9-11 deniers and truthers, honest. Uh, Bannon says she's both strategic and disciplined. She made a power move knowing it would run up hard against her most ardent crew, he said. She was prepared to take the intense heat hatred short term for the long term goal of being a player. Uh, Trump, the only announced 2024 candidate for president, neither party has struggled to get his campaign off the ground since launching in November. He plans to travel Saturday, that's tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, to New Hampshire and South Carolina, two of the early primary states, and he remains the favorite to win the GOP nomination in national polling. Over the course of two campaigns for Congress and a little more than two years in the House, Marjorie Taylor Greene has become one of the chamber's most prodigious money raisers, one of its highest profile figures and a pariah to many of her colleagues. In the 2022 midterm election cycle, Green collected just short of $12.5 million, a total that placed her in the top 10 of all House candidates, according to the Center for Responsive Politics. Her penchant for bombastic rhetoric is at the root of both her superior fundraising skills and her alienation of fellow lawmakers. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that might keep Pence, uh, pardon me, keep uh, Trump from actually considering her, is she is one of the very few people who could actually upstage him and get even more public attention, which I'm not sure is something he wants. Something you want 
is a, uh, a movie that is intense, unforgettable, and will almost surely be considered one of the best of 2023. It has an amazing cast, including Hugh Jackman and Anthony Hopkins, Laura Dern, and more. Listen. Now it's time for Medved's Entertainment Minute. Hugh Jackman plays a high-powered businessman who's thrilled with his new baby and new wife, played by Vanessa Kirby, when his first spouse, Laura Dern, asks him to take in their emotionally scarred teenage son in the searing and unforgettable The Sun, now playing in theaters. What's going on? I don't know what's happening to me. You came to tell me what a good dad you are? What do you want? Applause? That's my little boy. I can't give up on it. Based on a stage play by director-co-writer Florian Zeller, this is part of a trilogy that includes The Father, which won an Oscar for Anthony Hopkins, who makes a brief appearance here. In this film, all of the acting is award-worthy. All the characters, despite their conflicts, are richly and sympathetically portrayed in a superb film that captures both the rewards and heartbreak of family life. It's rated PG-13, four stars for The Sun, one of the best films of 2023 so far and uh, what what makes it uh, so remarkable is it is not predictable at all and you actually stay on the edge of your seat uh, trying to see if uh, how and and in which direction they're going to work out some of the very intense family problems that uh, they're dealing with. Uh, the Sun. It's a thrilling film. Uh, meanwhile, uh, tomorrow, uh, liberals, you may remember, said that democracy was toast in Georgia. But guess what? There's a brand new poll that asked black voters uh, if they had a poor experience at the polls. And uh, the answer is in Georgia, they will shock you. Uh, we will cover that tomorrow, Thursday, on the MedVet Show. And there's a new Pew study asking what are parents most concerned about for their children? Uh, plus a Gallup study that shows the U.S. is still the most desired destination in the world for migrants. But there's another country that's catching up. Which one? We'll talk about that. And uh, Andrew McCarthy says, no, there should not be a special prosecutor or counsel for Pence because of his papers. Why not? Uh, we'll talk about that as well next time in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.